we cannot take care of these other people, our children, our families, these people who are depending on us if we don't take care of ourselves first. Put the mask on yourself first and then take care and of then take put it on to them. You're listening to the Wedding Safari Podcast with your host, Milton Lawrence Jr. And this is episode four. On this show, we help both aspiring and seasoned wedding professionals build the business of their dreams by leveraging relevant business tips, strategies, and interviews from some of the top wedding professionals from around the world. Full disclaimer, the Wedding Safari team fundamentally believes that there's enough wedding business out there for anyone who wants it. Furthermore, we all have to get started from somewhere. Having the proper map and compass to guide you through the Wedding Safari is what we're here to do. Let's get started. Welcome back again to another episode of the Wedding Safari Podcast. I am your host, Milton Lawrence Jr., and I'm excited to have Miss Lauren Atwater from 1023 Designs, um, based out of Jacksonville, Florida. And guys, listen, if you're looking to build something um, in the decor space as, as it pertains to attracting brides by utilizing your designs or utilizing uh, your creative genius to be able to attract brides, you cannot be listening to a better authority um, in the wedding space and in the, in the, the event space um, across the board. And so, first of all, I want to say welcome, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> and so, you know, I remember meeting Lauren and uh, the gentleman who introduced me to her, the way he introduced me to her, he said, um, you know, you have to meet Lauren. Okay. Lauren does, you've seen her work and you didn't even know you were looking at her work. That's how amazing it is. And so I liked it. The way that I describe it is it's really the icing on the cake. Okay. And so, you know, Lauren, you know, does specialty decor, uh, event, uh, event decor, um, but it's specialty, right? It's, it's, it really is the icing on the cake. And so, Lauren, I'm going to pass it over to you just to have you explain exactly how you describe it. As I was saying earlier, I tend to describe it using jazz hands, which your <laughs> viewers cannot see right now. Right. So to verbalize it, um, what I do is I take your space, your event space, and I help brand it and personalize it to literally make it yours for that evening, whether it be your wedding or a social event. I'm going to take your style, who you are, and I'm going to make things to incorporate that into that space so you feel like it's yours, your guests feel like it's yours, and it helps create an experience, which is one of the most important things about having an event. It's creating an experience. Absolutely. So it's creating that, that custom and with the jazz hands, right? You guys can't see her. I can. Um, and so it's, it's creating, you know, that it, it's customizing whatever it, your, your event is already awesome, but it's creating that customization, that icing on the cake, uh, which is extremely important. So branding yourself within this space and getting people to know who you are. Take me back to how did you get started? How did you get started into the, you know, uh, uh, creating unique uh, decor, specialty decor, uh, and, and that type of thing? So I had a very interesting journey to get here. I started, I was, I, I always worked corporate. I always wanted to be an artist from the time I was a very young little girl. I always wanted to be an artist, and I was always told it was a hobby, not a career. So I always made things, but on the side, and lived in corporate America. When I was getting married, 
I was a DIY bride. However, I do believe that DIY brides should have a planner of some sort. I don't think it's an excuse not to have a planner. So I had my planner, um, but I was a DIY bride. So I made all these fun things and gave everything to a professional to do whatever they needed to do with it. Okay. So as I was creating my different wedding elements, which I had an aisle runner, um, umbrellas, table signs, table numbers, just all sorts of little custom details, very personalized details. I was making things and I was blogging them. Okay. Now, is this and prior I, to the wedding or is this prior to your wedding or this is at, this is as you were planning your wedding? This is as I'm planning my wedding. So okay. as when I'm like, I want an aisle runner, I was taking pictures of each step. Like I made, I was creating tutorials before I knew I was creating a tutorial. Okay. Now as a business owner, I'm like brilliant strategy. Back <laughs> then I was just taking pictures of step by step. Um, I've always kind of done that. Like when I'm cooking something, I like to take pictures step by step. I'm not big on um, reading and following directions or manuals, but I love, I follow pictures. You're the visual learner. Right. So it's, it's easier. Busy. Right. Okay. Awesome. So I just naturally took pictures step by step of the things I was making and it created two different things while I was doing this and posting it on my blog. One, I ended up gaining a following of other DIY brides who mm -hmm. now want to, wanted to learn how to make things, which was awesome. So I became very supportive of them and helped them. Mm -hmm. But then people saw how much work went into some of these things and reached out to me and was like, Hey, could I pay you to make that for me? Right. So I started getting orders from that. And that's, right. Kind of what led into the beginning of 1023 Designs, although it was not 1023 Designs at that time, but that's what led in, that's what started this path that I'm on right now. So you built a following um, as as well as built out the the core design, some of the uh, unique designs for your actual wedding, which then led into a business in, right. in, in a community. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because looking back now, knowing the value of a blog and a blog following, there's a there's a lot of value in that. And I wish I kept it because at some point in time between all of my different blogs, I did I did have a few different blogs of um, different topics. I, I kind of kept them all separate. Mm -hmm. I did have over 10,000 people easily, very oh, easily between wow. five different, between five different blogs. So now that could have been another business, you know, revenue stream. <laughs> but hey, I'm, now I know that as a business owner, but back then I didn't. So when I was done with the topic or done with, you know, you know that I just closed it, which womp, womp, womp. Right. So in the beginning, as you were getting started, a lot of the safarians that listen to this blog, um, listen to this, what this podcast, um, are either just getting started or, they, or, or they're pretty seasonal um, and they're trying to figure out how to uh, how to brand and, and position themselves um, in the current market space, in the current wedding industry, in, the current, in, the, in this current environment or climate, if you will. And it hasn't been easy for a lot of people. And so from your perspective, branding uh, 1023 designs specifically, you know, in what you're doing, um, which is very, very unique, right? How do you how do you uniquely position yourself in the marketplace in today's climate? 
So this is a great conversation. Um, it's an, it's, it's one that being that I'm such a branding addict, I pay really close attention to when it comes to other people. So for myself, um, I do consider myself more of an artist with a business than a business that sells art. And it's big on my, explain that. Yeah. Explain that. So for me as, um, like I said, I've always wanted to be an artist and creation is my passion. I I have to create. And if it, if I had my own way, all I would do is create and let somebody come and do anything like quote unquote business ish. Okay. <laughs> I want to create. So I am definitely an artist here. Going back when I was creating and making things before like 1023 was really before actually it was 1023 and how I even that's the point to have a business. It was actually because I was contacted mm-hmm. by the IRS saying, hey, you're making money. We want some of it. We need you to register and do this the right way. Are you serious? How do, they, how, how do they even know? How do they even know you were in business? It had something to do. There, there's different tracking. So at one point I had an Etsy site and um, someone encouraged me to open up an Etsy, Etsy shop. Etsy shop. OK, got it. So that reports. And I was not aware that, you know, different things have to happen. And at some point in time, and we're talking maybe a few years ago, just a little bit before I met you, mm-hmm. I went to a business center. Most big cities have one, the Small Business Development Center. Yeah, SBD, yeah, uh, SBDC, yeah. Mm-hmm. And was like, I need help because I need to go backwards and be able to create and not have this business. I don't want a business. Like I want to make stuff. But I don't want to have – I don't want to own a company. Like I just want to just say hey, I want to make stuff. Right. Um, and they ended up, you know, helping me get to where I am now, which is the okay. complete opposite of what I Really int- intended to do. Right. So go figure. So for me, I'm constantly learning, constantly struggling. I run into a lot of problems, a lot of – hurdles and it's because I'm learning and I'm I am fine with saying yes I'm making mistakes and yes I'm not doing things right I'm learning and for me me being creative in my business is much more important than me focusing strictly on business okay so that's where I kind of say I'm a artist who happens to have a business have a, versus a business who who, right. who happens to sell art right okay so for me when it comes to branding yourself in this um, current industry environment that we're in right now, for me, it's all about being, I'm very transparent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I post things sometimes and some of my friends will message me like, Hey, you sure you want to be that vulnerable? Because I, I allow my vulnerability. I suffer from depression. I mm-hmm. speak on it. A mm-hmm. lot of people say that's a horrible thing to do as a business owner. But for me, my part of my brand is being transparent. Mm-hmm. It's letting you know that I live in real life. Mm-hmm. And that's part of this brand I created. So most people know my brand for my work and my transparency. I would guess that 75% of the people who know my brand do not know my logo. I do not even know my colors. Come on now. They don't Talk know. to them. Talk to them, Lauren. So because a brand, there's there's so many different touch points of a brand. Your logo is a part of it. It's an important part depending on how you need to present yourself to the world. Mm-hmm. But because I created the brand I created and that many people have no idea what my 
logo looks like, my colors, or any of that. It just goes to show how important your actual brand in a whole is. What the real so brand I would is. Your real brand, right. right? Not just your logo. Right. And for me, one of my pet peeves, speaking on logos and branding, on a regular basis, at least a couple times a week in these Facebook groups, we see people post pictures. I'm getting my logo redone. These are the four options. Which do you like the best? How does that make you feel? I, he would say like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> and I tend to either DM the person or sometimes I'll post on the board like, hey, are these people your target audience? Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't like it. Because one, most most people do two different things. There's three different things when you're doing a when you're doing your logo, but there's two different things people do the most often. Okay. One, they create their brand and their identity to what they like themselves. Okay. And not taking consideration. Not to their target audience. Okay. Number two, they're asking peers what they think of it and they might not be their target audience. So for <laughs> me, if you have a luxury brand like uh-huh. me, not my target audience for my own brand. I'm creative. Well, I have different lines. I do have different levels of my business. Okay. But my luxury business, side of my business, I'm not my target audience. I'm not designing to what I would actually spend money on. And for me, it's hard because I make things. So I never want to ask a creative who makes things like I do their opinion. Okay. Because they're not going to be my target audience because they're not going to spend the money to have something custom made because they have the same mindset I do. Right. I can make it myself. So it's very, it, they're it very makes, important. It, 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 the, the, I cannot, please write this down. That is major, especially in the, uh, the freelance space. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if your target audience is brides, um, event planners, wh- whoever your target audience is, knowing exactly who that avatar is, who that, who that person is that you want to purchase from you or who your ideal customer would be to, that would purchase from you is extremely important. And I think that many of us as freelancers and, if, and even early on when I first got started, it was about how pretty the logo was because I wanted to be, I wanted to make an impression on people's minds. Um, and the reality of it is people don't, they, they care, but they don't care. They're buying you. They're not buying a, a, what colors are in your logo and that type of thing. It does come a point in time where you're, you're branding um, will make sense. Uh, well, I'm sorry. We'll, 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 we'll take precedence. But at this juncture in the game, and most for most of us, um, it's about what you talked about: having a brand, a brand of transparency, um, or putting things out there that will that would create connection, right? And that's what I heard you just say. Is that is that kind of what you were, were articulating? Absolutely. I, I do feel like that's what really sets a person apart in their branding and you have to think so for me being a like I, I'm obsessed with branding I'm a logo junk or a font junkie mm-hmm. when a new real popular font comes out okay you gotta and have everybody it. the new font I can't pick you guys up out of a lineup like you will have you know if pink and gold is in and um uh, Carolina Pro font, and mm-hmm. then next thing you know, you have ten planners within a hundred mile radius using pink and gold and that same font. How can we pick you up out of a lineup? Right. Please tell me why you are the one to go to. Um, if you're just focusing on logo, it has to be just like your event has to be an experience. Your brand, whatever you're giving to the world, like that has to be some type of experience. Like there has to be something more there. Wow. That's amazing. 
Thank you for dropping those jewels. <laughs> and if you guys can see her, she's she's putting up her hands. Uh, if you ever meet Lauren in person, she's just a, a bundle of joy to just you know, to meet. You know, if you ever meet those people that, um, you know, if you don't like them, there's something wrong with you. Um, that's that, that's that kind of thing. And so, uh, so anyway, I, I thank you for sharing that. that. That's amazing. So let's talk about you know beyond branding, right? Let's talk about attracting uh, the, the the type of clients that you want to attract in your business early on. Um, you know, a couple of days ago I interviewed um, Candace Coppola, um, Coppola out of um, Barbados. And she talked about early on, most of us probably start in the VFW range, you know, attracting clients that, you know, it pays the bills that, ha- you know, you're happy to get those types of clients. Um, but ideally speaking, we want to get into the boutique slash Lux market. Okay. Um, because that allows us to be able to start making the transition to maybe becoming a full-time uh, business owner versus just doing the job, uh, for, you know, for accolades or for, you know, for, uh, um, for bragging purposes, if you will. Um, how did you make the transition from uh, maybe getting some of the DIY brides and now starting to get into, because you've worked with some pretty high-end people. You, your work has been featured in, in, in some, some really great, cool places. Um, we will have her bio and some of the places she's been featured um, uh, in the show notes. But you know, talk about how you started to attract uh, some of the high-end planners and brides and things like that to your, you know, from, from your work that you were creating. So for me, I can tell you, where I was when it came to that, I actually have chosen to stay there, um, although I've fine-tuned certain things. But I personally enjoy do working with some DIY brides. And then I have some luxury, you know, $300,000 weddings, $200,000 weddings. So for me, the way I've set my brand up is that I can service both of those just fine. Okay. Now, when it comes to who am I going to attract, because that's a big difference. I personally choose to stay in more of a medium range mm-hmm. and someone high end and luxury can see, you know, what I can do and say, hey, can I get you to do this? You know, they're thinking outside of the box or they know that I'm the person to come to to help them go outside of the box. Okay. But I choose not to target luxury, even though I'm known somewhat in that circle. Okay. For a couple of reasons. One, once you go luxury, I think you can't really go back. Back, right. Uh, so if you don't, if it doesn't work out, I think you're kind of in this awkward situation with where do I go now? Right. Um, I also choose not to. One, I would. I, I feel like I would have to change my brand a little bit. Um, where right now I'm, I can keep this quirky, whimsical, what's inside of me, I can really present it. I do feel like for me, if I did go luxury, I would have to, you know, maybe scale back on the the transparency, scale back on, you know, just being you. Right. But then also if I marketed luxury, the other thing would be my DIY brides that I do enjoy working with Mm -hmm. also, I don't think that they would approach me. Okay. You kind of alien, you alienate yourself from, from, from that market. Right. So okay. I, I like it here. And to be all honest, my DIY brides will often spend just as much and sometimes more as my luxury clients, really? which you, when you, when I say you really have to know your target audience, you have to know your target audience because their weddings might be 20,000 versus a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And they might both come to me spending a thousand dollars. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm, they might spend the same exact amount with me for totally two different types of weddings. Okay. So for me, it's really knowing who you want to target. And 
if you're going to keep it broad, because they always say, don't keep your target audience broad. Now, mine is technically broad, but who I market to is very very direct. Very niche, very specific. Yes. So before you get into who you market to, I really want, can you spend a little bit of time, let's dive a little bit deeper on how you define um, your target audience, that avatar, like that ideal customer. I have my ways of doing it and I'll share it, but I want to hear from you, you know, how, how, did, how did you come to f- figure out that sweet spot of I'm going to create this for this particular person because it attracts just about everybody, the Lux and the DIY bride. Talk to me about that. Okay. So for me, I created the imaginary person. Um, Sometimes when you go to different workshops, they teach you about that. I learned that a long time ago. I love it. So my imaginary person is, and, and technically it's two people in one, just because I do bride and planner. So I made them like one person, even though they're different people. Okay. So as I'm telling you who it is, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of understand. So mine is, um, middle-class America, as I say, where you have, um, they're working a full-time job. They appreciate and understand other people's time. That was my number one thing. My very number one thing on my list um, they after time. it's a female, I okay. should say it's a female. I have a 30 year old female, Okay, but they, they work and understand and appreciates somebody else's time. That to me is one of my, literally one of my most important things because being a maker and I have a product that I make and people will often say to me things like, um, Oh, I'll just go to Hobby Lobby and I'll do it myself kind of thing. Okay. It has to be and that values their own time, which is right. why I chose to make them a full-time employee. Got it. Forty-hour week. So it can't be a stay-at-home mom because she has all the t- not. Not let me not say that she does not have all the time in the world. She has a lot more time on her hands than, um, you know, than a typical than a, t- a nine-to-fiver or you know someone who works a full-time job and that type of thing. So her having right. less time, or she, someone who values their time, um, would then value your service because they realize how much time it really takes to create what they think. Because in, I guess in some cases you got you know, you're somewhat of a, an, an illusionist. We you make it look easy, but it's really not. Absolutely, and I think that's why when I did the tutorials, I got so much business was because like I show I'll show you how to do it. Okay. And then you see like, wait, this isn't what it looks like. Like I can literally show you step by step like an illusionist. And yet you didn't have the same outcome that I just had. It's there's definitely more to it. There's not to say someone can't do it. Right. But on average, no, it's more than just a step by step. Right. Type thing. There's there's more pieces to the pie. So you were saying about. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was going to say the other thing. But those of us who make things also know it takes roughly a hundred dollars for something that costs twenty to buy. <laughs> That's like a maker saying. Right. It's a whole lot more to make something than to just go buy it. That's amazing. So if I could come quickly recap what you just said um, about you know creating this avatar and how extremely important it is to knowing who that target audience is and spending a lot of time um, figuring out. For me, understanding that you know is it a male or female? 
you know, is it a bride? Do you can or do, should you have multiple avatars or you know uh, ideal customers? You know, what's her age? Where does she spend money at? Where does she where does she frequent? You know, where does she travel to? You know, um, if she had to make a choice between Louis Vuitton, you know, Bullberry, Michael Kors, or going into Walmart or sorry Target to go buy her her pocketbook, where would she go? You know, spending that time, cell phones, um, is, is another okay. big one. Um, what, you know, where does she spend time on, on her cell phone? Um, what TV shows does she, do she watch? Um, all of these things help you with putting together your branding and help you to put together, you know, how you start to attract the clients that you're looking for. Um, because you speak to those things, right? Um, and if you, if there's any connection with your personality and the way that you do business, and if you can marry the two, you're now speaking to them. And that's why when you receive that phone call, and Lauren, I'm not sure if you ever had this happen to you, it's like they know you before they ever talk to you, right? It's like I, I, I've known right. you for months or for days or for years um, because because we, we, we work, you know, so extremely well. And so, you know, with that being said, Knowing who that target audience is extremely important. And, you know, when it comes to branding and, and positioning yourself within the, the wedding space, um, uh, in, in the wedding community, um, and being uniquely positioned, that's, that's the real word, being uniquely positioned so that people can find you, um, or people can refer you, it, it means everything. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when we're talking about the cell phones, I tell people all the time, you know, it's really important even in your marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about this imaginary person, where are they looking? So for me, I've noticed because I like self-study this, my higher end, like my my biggest spender, even my my biggest client that I have is not on social media whatsoever. Talk to him. Um, my major corporate clients typically come from Twitter. Um, my, you know, I know where people come from, like where they're finding me, what types of people are looking for me, where, and when you're branding, this is so important because you don't want to invest in, um, all these, let's say Facebook ads Mm -hmm. and your target client isn't on Facebook. Right. When you're doing your branding and your marketing strategies, which please make sure you keep them completely separate. I see them merged somehow. They are two totally different things. But when you are working on those strategies, when it comes to um, where you want to be marketing, where you want to be using your branding for marketing purposes, it's really important to create that avatar or that imaginary person, as I like to say, because you have to be where they are and you have to be showing them what they want to see, what the, what's going to attract them in those places. So for me, my highest um, spending client on a regular basis is not on social media at all. Wow. She didn't find me from social media. She doesn't review my work on social media. Although every blue moon, there's somebody in her office who follows me now. So she'll say like, you know, she saw something. But other than that, like she's not there. So I also know that my a lot of my major corporate clients, so Mm -hmm. we're talking um, like Pepsi and large Fortune 500s, Fortune 100s, those those types of companies, yeah. Absolutely. Those are typically found somehow through Twitter. Um, And I only do push-throughs on Twitter. And a push-through is um, what I call a push-through. So for me, I don't post typically directly to Twitter unless I may be doing something live at an event, but very seldom do I use that. I post from my Instagram to my Facebook to my Twitter. I do the auto push Sure. Post. And it works for and, you. 
and, and it works. So that's where my corporate clients come from. And it's funny because um, I forget I have Twitter until like somebody major will hit me up and say like, hey, right. Um, I love that. Like I had a DM from Olive Garden. Like what in the world? Like I'm serious. So like Twitter is where I have most of my corporate that someone has found me. And it what's what's interesting, it's usually someone who works in their maybe like in their marketing department and okay. like in the office itself sure. and they're on there and they're looking. So I know um, to keep mine very professional, like sometimes we want to get into, um, like Twitter is probably the most entertaining of all of the social media feeds. Okay. Read it. Don't post it. Like do not, (laughs) you know, because corporate is out there watching it. Like they're, they're looking there. So, um, a lot of my event planners themselves come from my Instagram. A lot of my moms and brides come from my Facebook. Wow. So it's really okay. you, you really have to pay attention to where the people are coming from and then you brand those avenues to those people. De- depending on to those to that target audience. Correct. So here's my next question. You you hinted towards this, but I want you to spend some time talking about it. Branding versus marketing versus advertising. Is there a difference? Right, right. Um, technically, you're, to me, your advertising is part of your marketing, mm-hmm. but it's its own entity in itself. It just right. kind of falls in that in that category. But they're all three totally different things and should have their own strategies. Okay. And when I say their own strategies, they each need to have their own well-developed plan of, of how you're going to use them. Um, where you're going to use them, keep them very, you know, on paper, keep them very separate. Now, when done well, they all merge and marry into one beautiful thing. Yes. But planning wise, they have to be looked at with a different mindset. So if you are a, you're listening to this podcast and you're looking to attract brides or you're looking to attract, attract corporate clients to you and that type of thing, she just gave you the recipe um, one of the recipes for, for her style of business. Okay. Now, if you're in photography or if you're in video or if you're in planning, that may or may not work for you, but she's, she's given you an exact recipe as to how to position a brand to be able to attract the type of clients that you're looking for. And more importantly, things that you should be looking for, um, looking out for to make sure that you're positioning your brand properly um, and, and that type of thing. And so um, I'm very excited that, that, that you spent some time talking about that. I, I treat them all three of those differently. I treat branding, marketing and advertising totally different um, because they, they are different And branding on each of the platforms is, is, is totally different. So it's, it's a lot, it takes a lot more thought um, and having, uh, having it on paper um, because he, I want to spend some time talking about why we, why as creatives, we ought to have some things, have things written down um, because many times because we're creative, we think we can just come just do things on the fly or ad lib, if you will. Um, and at the time that you need it the most, I'm not sure if you it, it, would it work, how it works for you, Lauren, but I found that when, when I needed things the most, my brain shuts down, right? But if I had it on paper, like your business plan, your marketing strategies, your branding strategies, your advertising strategies, or how you're planning to, to execute, you can easily go back to those things because, again, they're not going to be – even up to this interview, doing this interview with you, I have questions that are sitting right in front of me right now. I know the questions I want to ask you, but it's, it's great to be able to reference them to go back to them. How important is it to have things written down to go back to reference? 
Um, I think it's extremely important. And I will tell you, I'm a person who wings it. I wing it all. I wing life. I, it's just me. It's naturally me. It's how I do things. And I still think that writing everything down is extremely important, even if you never go back and look at it. Because you, when you write something down in general, and we're not talking about just putting something in your iPhone. So for me, I have an iPad, an iPhone, a Mac top, a Mac desktop. I have all the different things, and I have all, everything in my notes and calendar. And I still have at least two books on me on every time, and one is a physical planner, and one is a notebook. And I still write everything down because even if you're not going to go back and read it, when you physically write something, you're thinking about it differently. Um, it goes into your head in a different way. And I think it's very important. Now, when it comes to reflection, I think writing your goals on paper or writing, um, even if it's not like full blown goals, like what I call mini goals, Mm -hmm. um, your, what else did we say? Your, um, all your strategic planning should all be written on paper to review, to go back. And let's say you never look at it in five years. I would still like to go back and look at my book. And say, this is what I intended to do. Did I do it? Now, I do think that you should review it much more often. But when you're doing goal setting of any sort, SMART Mm -hmm. goals are the way to go. And in order to do SMART goals properly, you have to write it. Like, it has to be written. Now, for creatives, I understand that it's a struggle sometimes Mm -hmm. because we are on the whim. Like, that's – we come up with an idea and we let it go. Um, let it go. But um, I just saw this man, so there you go. Um, and I live with a seven-year-old. So, right. But um, there's a great website. It's called Pitch Them Plan. Pitch Them Plan. And pitch, I believe it's Pitch Them Plan or Pitch to Plan. Pitch to Plan, okay. So it's one or the other. I, I used it myself. So I was having trouble um, coming up or doing my business plan. Okay. Which your business plan obviously is it's extremely important. Dot dot dot. If you need it, right? Sometimes we feel like we don't need it because we're not using it physically. Like we're not going to a bank to get a loan, or we don't have to go market to, or um, we don't have to go to an investor. So we think we don't technically need it, but it's a very important thing even if you're not utilizing it that way. But for creative, sometimes it's hard to just sit there and write out this business plan because it's just making you like think. So this website that, matter of fact, it was the SBDC directed me to, you basically do it in reverse. Okay. You're writing down what you're doing and it puts it into the format that you need, that it needs to be in. For the, for the actual Instead, business plan? Right. So it does it, in, it, it does, it takes, it, it basically does it in reverse. Okay. So where normally you plan to pitch, okay. you're pitching or you're pitching the plan. So plan. you're putting out what you're doing. You're reverse engineering. You know, the, right. You're reverse you're, engineering you're on, the process. That plan is like, what, w, what is it? WTF? Yeah, right. Like, exactly. <laughs> and there it is. So, you pop out with this, this beautiful plan after you've, you were doing it anyway. And so you, you've just reverse engineered it, which is pretty cool. That's genius. Absolutely. Wow. Amazing. So let's talk about, let's, 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 let's make a shift. Okay. And the shift here is when it was time for you to start working with clients that maybe weren't so um, easy to deal with. Okay. How did you go about doing that? How did you handle it? You know, you know, like just cry like normal people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> although sometimes on, in all honesty, cause I'm transparent. Mm-hmm. 
It, that really does happen. Okay. You know, it, it, it's funny, and I'm, I just last week dealt with a very interesting situation with a client um, that is not easy to deal with. Um, and, you know, I'm, I always remind myself, you can say no. And I will say this, as us in the industry, I've heard stories like that people say, you know, I'm, I'm booked. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm going to say, you know, I don't think I'm the right. I'm, I don't think we're a match or I don't think I'm the right person for this position or for this for this task based upon what you're looking for in a vendor. Mm-hmm. And I never say it's due to what I can can or cannot produce. Okay. It's we, you know, our personalities are not going to work well together. And okay. for me as a creative and the type I am, I do know that I work much better. The more freedom you give me, the better products you're going to get. Okay. The nicer you are, the more I'm excited about making your event even awesome. So when you have extra stuff in your package, you were probably really nice and you were on my mind when I had some extra material. But yeah, we do run into those, um, those difficult ones. So you can look at it. Number one, you can say no, okay. but be very honest about it. And, you know, being a business owner and like we are all, I hate the term small business owner sometimes because right. you were putting ourselves into this box. box. And the thing is we need those paychecks sometimes. So right. I have some clients that are very difficult, but they literally pay a mortgage payment for the month. So <laughs> I have to make that decision. Right. And I was actually somewhere we were discussing this and a lady who I thought like I think very highly of, she was like, Oh, we all have mortgage payment clients. And she, she, that's what she calls them mortgage payment clients. Um, they're not the most fun to deal with and they're usually a headache, but you know, for a fact, your bills are going to be paid that month. Right. You know, your mortgage, your bills. So like grin and bear it. And eventually one day you may not be in a position to do that, um, that you have to do that. But right now, you know, that might be life. The thing is for me, when I am, dealing with one, I I tend to not deal with it because of money, because I, one thing that is the craziest to me in the past, and I have a very, my past is very complex, Mm -hmm. but in the past I was money driven. Okay. Now as this adult and business owner, I'm not financially driven at all. So them paying my mortgage doesn't necessarily, it doesn't really drive me. Right. Um, because I can get it a different way. But what does drive me is that maybe I can take this person who is just difficult or known for being difficult or has, you know, I think they wake up on the wrong side of the bed every day, especially if they're known for that. Right. want to work with them and I want to make them happy. And I'm going to strive for them to just post something either nice or just for them to respond with something nice. So I know that um, like in the the movie, The Grinch, uh-huh. where, you know, his heart grew three times that day or whatever, you know, I know what you mean. I, I, I want people to feel that. So those people who are very difficult to deal with, they're dealing with something that's not our fault. Right. Like, it's way deeper than the, than the conversation that you're having with you. You're just you're just the recipient or. um yeah, you're the recipient of, of what what's right. happening, but it's not the cause. Right. So for me, um, I tend to look at really difficult clients more like that than a paycheck. That this person is either hurting. I always say hurt people hurt people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I think it's an opportunity to turn a frown upside down. down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, how important is collaboration and how has it impacted your business uh, from the time that you've gotten started to now? Collaboration is key. Um, oh, and I, well, they can't see anyway, but I have a giant key, like okay. a um, DJ Khaled, big old key. key a major key. <laughs> I have one I keep in my office just to remind me of the keys. Uh, I have a, actually I have a couple of them, but anyway, um, so collaboration is key. There's a saying that your network is your net worth. It is so true. I truly believe in this. Um, and other little sayings that I always hear, like if you were the smartest one in the group, leave the group <laughs> kind of thing. But I honestly believe that if you're the smartest one in one of your groups, that's a great thing because you're a good person because you're going to be helping those people. Right. So stay in that group. Don't invest too much in it. But you have got to be in networks mm-hmm. or in collaborative teams that make you think outside of the box. So – for instance, I have a few planners that I collaborate with mm-hmm. who I can't even – I get emotional when I think about how much these people have changed my business itself because I collaborate with them. But almost every single time they place an order with me, they tell me like a theme if there's a theme, color, font if there happens to be one, and a budget. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I send them surprise boxes. Sometimes I show them a proof before I send it. I collaborate with people who appreciate my creativity and trust it. So one of my speaking engagements I do is trusting your creative vendors. Okay. That takes every time it takes my business to another level. And it's natural. It's not a forced thing. Mm -hmm. And for them in return, it's doing the same thing. Because for them, for me, they just gave me the money, basically. You know, they handed me money and Mm -hmm. said, hey, do what's on your mind for this event. So for me, I'm getting to create something totally new that's going to elevate me. Sure. In return, I'm giving them something that people haven't seen that's going to elevate them. Right. So when you build a team and then you toss in your photographer, who I'm a photographer just – Junkie. And I didn't say photography junkie. I said photographer junkie. Yeah, so the person. Um, it's the person. Yeah. Um, I love photographers that you can see in their work what they are passionate about. And not like, quote unquote, weddings. But some, when it comes to detail shot, oh my gosh, it's a high to me to know that they're going to f- photograph a wedding I'm doing. Because they love the details, and I am the details. Right. So... That collaborative team is so important and likewise, vice versa. If you're photographing something and you know how I am about the details, we're collaborating. So you're giving me what I crave. I'm giving you what you crave. Um, You put all the right vendors together. And if you have like me, I'm very big on vendor relationships. I, the vendors I work with the, and the ones that I know I love, like, like genuinely, I can use the L word. Like, right. I love them. I care about them. I want them to succeed. Right. And that right there, when you have that in a collaborative team, when everybody wants to see everyone else succeed, there's no, the only thing that can go wrong is like nature, like taking its course. Right. But no one's going to let anybody down. If you're shooting a wedding and I'm there and you need somebody to hold up a light, right. I'm going to come hold the light up. Hold, hold the light up, right. 
Yeah. And I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, you got to charge me. I'm going to charge you hour. No, I want to see you, see you, make you succeed. Best picture. And if you need that lighting and I'm there, I'm there. Come on now. That's, that's a collaborative team. So you could, we could do an entire talk just on that alone. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and so, and maybe we, 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 we may just do just that. Um, I would love to be able to hear that full talk that you do on collaboration um, and that type of thing. And so I want to ask you this. What would you look back to see one of your fondest memories of being in business for yourself, uh, for creating? Um, it, I don't it, you know, p- people for some people. It's, you know, I, I get to do this full time. That's a reward enough. Right. For some people, it's maybe a trip or maybe something that they purchase. What would you say one of your fondest memories for being in business for yourself, um, being able to create so, so, so freely? What's one of the biggest rewards you, you've received or, or experienced? So for me, hands down, the greatest thing that 1023 um, that I've gotten to give or be or what, however you want to word it is um, 1023 has grown a very supportive, um, like social support circle. I hate the word followers. Okay. So community. And it allows me voice. And when it comes to creating something, the person, the life I have created, thanks to 1023 designs is by far the most important. So people can listen to me. So like, for instance, I'm big on mental illness. I suffer from depression, as I previously mentioned, Mm -hmm. people are going to listen to me now and know that they might like, if they're suffering, which I will say this creatives, more creatives suffer from depression and mental illness than don't. It's, it comes with the creative mind. Look at Van Gogh, all of our great, greatest, you know, suffer from some form or fashion. And for me, creating um, this life and a platform where my voice matters and can help somebody or help somebody not feel alone is the most important thing to me that I've created over any piece of art. I will tell you, um, just being transparent, um, I found as a creative, myself being a creative, that it, it's, it's this juxtaposition that happens at the exact same time. And it's not until I was having I'm having this conversation with you until I start to realize that when we're at our most creative state, we're at our most vulnerable state. Um, I can't speak for anybody else. I'm just speaking for myself. Um, but I feel like when you're sharing and so when you share your work with someone, if they don't like it or if they're treating you mean and you've been in this vulnerable state for a period of time to be able to create that thing. And, and maybe they're not happy with the thing that you created or whatever the case may be. It's not the thing that you created that, that, that they're that they're attacking. It feels like this being attacked. It's like this vulnerable state that you allowed yourself to be in your heart. Your, it's just it's just everything. And so thank you for sharing that, because, again, you, you just, that was kind of a mental breakthrough for me as we're as we're having this 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 uh, this interview. And, and it's my hope that um, creators from from all walks of life, um, no matter if you're just getting started, if you've been in the business for a long time, if you if you've ever felt like you've gone on this roller coaster, okay, where you you have these high highs and these low lows, that's exact. I think I think that's what Lauren is is saying. I guess that's, that's how I um, that's how I receive it, right? You know, you're excited as all get out, and then you're like, man, I, I find those times you just can't create anything at all. Um, and especially after you've gotten maybe not necessarily a negative review, but something that somebody might have said that wasn't all 100 percent positive. Right. Um, and that type of thing. And so thank you again. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about uh, family. 
you know, you know, in corporate America, they talk about this work life balance. Um, I haven't personally found it. And so I, I've, I, instead of trying to find this work life balance, I've just created, I've created this, my work is my life. My life is my work and my family is my work. How do you incorporate family into your business? How do you incorporate travel or, you know, rest time, downtime, rejuvenation time uh, into your business um, so that you can continue to create? Because we do need that time off of the off of the mountaintop to be able to relax and, and, and to rejuvenate. What, what are your thoughts about that? Right. So this is a fun one for me because. I have so many people ask me about work-life balance because they see me producing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And with all the work that I do post, I can promise you that is maybe one out of a hundred things per week that is shipped out. So, I mean, there's a lot um, going on here when it comes to work. But then I also post a lot to do with my family and people who know me know I'm very involved with my family, but then also helping others. Mm-hmm. So that question comes to me often. So I have a recipe. I like to say I have a recipe for work-life balance. Okay. Talk to me about Uh, that. I want everybody to take a piece of paper and a writing utensil. Here's my paper. And sidebar, the other day I asked – I was someplace and I asked them for – if I can borrow a writing utensil. Uh And they were like, we don't have utensils. I was like, a writing utensil. And they were like, "Um, you have to go to the kitchen. And I was like, no, like a pen or a pencil. Pencil, right. And I was like, is that, did I make up the terminology of writing utensil? And I had a question myself and I actually Googled it to see if it was something I made up or not because they were like completely dumbfounded that I asked for a writing utensil. But anyway, so so were they not, this is not a creative organization. This was, um, I, I think it was when I was at the hotel at the lobby is where I think I was when this took place. I think I was yeah, at the desk. Yeah, they're definitely not creative. No, 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 no. It was, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. but I was just like, eh, eh, let me Google because I think I just I made exactly, up a word. I, need to, I knew what you meant. Um, what's it called? Um, I need to copyright that. Um, yeah, you do. So, trademark it or something. <laughs> so go ahead and on your piece of paper, write down the word um, or the phrase work-life balance recipe. Okay. I'm doing it. Go ahead. And I want you to take that piece of paper and fold it in half. Okay. Where that's going to be covered. Okay. And then I want you to fold it one more time like this. So like if you opened it, it would make several little squares. Okay. And then I want you to take it and rip it in half. You guys need to do this. You know I mean? If you're not doing it, you know, take the time. If you're driving, pull over grab a piece of paper and fold it it's folded in fours right right okay and then you just rip it at the crease at the crease okay and then rip it again at the crease so now you should have several pieces of paper Got right uh-huh. and then throw them up in the air yeah, up in the air okay oh that was good that was good you do that, and you know. I felt free after I did that because now I just validate everything I just said. And now you you figured it out. It's it's freeing your mind from trying to figure out something this that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. Your family is the most important over your business, even though you need your business to make money. Because if your family did not get what you need to give them, money meant absolutely nothing. True. Um. So. Just knowing what your priorities are, when I say, you know, I write things down in my book, in my planner, as well as in my phone, Mm -hmm. you know, I think 
it blows that some of us have to write in our planners or schedule in time for family. Mm-hmm. But schedule in important things to do with your family and put sure. it in that book so nothing can consume that time. It is blocked off space. So if your child on a Saturday morning needs X, Y, Z, block that space off. And once upon a time ago, I said it, it must be an awful feeling to have to schedule in your family. But you know what? It's actually the smart thing to do because you know it's there. You're not going to schedule anything around it. It's not that you had to pencil them in. It's just that you had to block other people out. Talk, come on get, now. Talk to them, Lauren. It better. You know what I mean? Mindset wise, I'm not scheduling them in. I'm blocking other people wow, out. Wow, right. So that's amazing. I think that's, it's very important. Another thing that I'm struggling with, and like I said, I'm always learning, I'm struggling with is me time. Love my family time. My family is everything to me. Um, I spend a lot of time in my business. I stay up late crying some night. I'm working crying. Like if, if, if your text messages could have, or your, um, your emails could have tears, I'd have tear marks on them. Cause I'm up so late. My eyes are burning and I'm trying to finish, you know? So I, I invest the time in my family into my business, but what I struggle with is investing time into myself. That is probably going to be one of the most important things you do. And Every time I'm on a plane, because I travel quite a bit now, and they're doing, I, I never fully listen to the whole, you know, you're going to go out the exit and the. Right. Like, nobody does. I don't listen to that anymore. But for some reason, every time, like clockwork, when they say when the, the mask drop down, if you have a small child, put the mask on yourself and then put it on the child. For some reason, like clockwork, when that part is being said, I look up, whether I'm reading a book, a magazine, doing emails, I look up. I do too. And it's to me, it's, it's, it's a message that's being sent to us. We cannot take care of these other people, our children, our families, these people who are depending on us if we don't take care of ourselves first. Put the mask on yourself first. And then take care of And everybody. then take, put it on to them. Because you could die trying to put the mask on them. On them. And then both of you die. Absolutely. So taking care of yourself um, and we're talking in different ways, um, health major for me right now, but then also I think that we should pamper ourselves every blue moon. And that was very, as a mother, as a business owner, that was already hard for me as a mother. I, I don't, I'm one of those parents who have pure guilt when I spend money on myself my kids are very well taken care of. My son's in the Air Force. He has his own money. I still, you know, whatever he needs. My daughter, everything here is taken care of. But when I spend money on myself, uh-huh. that could have went to them, even though they need for nothing, I still have you feel that some type of way. I do, but it's important. Like you have to do. You have to reward yourself some kind of way. Wow. Listen. Uh, Lauren, I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you are sharing these tips and strategies and things that honestly, again, these are not the things that will, um, you know, add five new clients, but maybe it is. Maybe this is a part of the ingredients that will help you to find five new clients because you're free, right? You're not um, mentally bogged down 
um, with giving yourselves away so much where the tank is empty and you've never put anything back in. So you need that time to be able to fill that tank back up um, with self-love and self-pampering, uh, 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 if you will, um, so that you can turn around and, 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 and go give it go give it away. And I think that's the cycle. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you want to add something else there? Um, yes, please. So I actually think now that I've tried to do it more, mm-hmm. it's actually can get you those five new clients talk to them so let me tell you something i if i'm um and we're going to use a photographer because i i pay close attention to photographers like i said i have a thing for photographers well that didn't come out right but you know what i mean i know exactly Uh, what you mean (laughs) (laughs) so if i see a photographer taking care of themselves Eating healthy, if I'm, you know, seeing them on a personal level, like because some, you know, we're in a transparent world now and we post personal things, mm-hmm. them taking care of themselves physically, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to trust giving my $5,000 or whatever your fee is to someone I know who's taking care of their body over someone I see not doing that because you are going to go onto the floor and crawl into an awkward position for me to get the perfect shot. Mm-hmm. You are going to climb on that ladder for me mm-hmm. to get the perfect detail shot. You are going to be flexible. And I kid you not, if I need you to run across a venue to capture something, I know you could do it because you are taking care of yourself. So. so I actually think it's not only is it taking care of yourself and it's doing good for yourself. I think if you're making sure that people know that, that make that part of your branding, you're not just a photographer, you're a healthy ASS photographer who can do X, Y, Z because you take care of yourself. I honestly think that you would book additional people who are on the tier of the, of that, you know, comparison of, well, they both do great work. Their prices are the same. I'm going to go after somebody I know can, can make, make it happen. They can make yeah. it happen. So <laughs> to, to, to you know, compliment what you were saying, um, you know, I personally, you know, get regular manicures and pedicures and things like that. And yeah. Um, and as a grown man, I, I call it grown man ish. It's just things that I think grown men ought to do. Um, and so I, I, I'm only sharing this because I've had more brides to reach out to me or clients in general, not just brides. I've had pe- more people to reach out to me because of, because of uh, Snapchat and because of Instagram live or, or Instagram, you know, the feeds and um, things like that. And when you're just showing you, you're a real person that I can connect with. Oh, you do that too. Oh, you have a belly too. Or you, you're real just like me, you know, I don't know where the whole belly part came in, but you get my point, right? So it's just like, oh, so we're 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 alike, okay? And for some of these ladies, um, most of my ninety percent of my clients are women, okay. And so for many of them, they wish that their spouses did this, they wish that their partners did, they wish that the you know the, the the men in their lives did this, and they could do them together. And so, you know, to have someone in their life that, or to have a, a, a potential vendor that's going to be a part of their team. Oh, I, I, yeah, he, he shoots, he shoots beautiful work. He does great business, but, but he's, I can connect, I can connect with him. I've also found that me sharing things about my mother, I take care of my mother, you know, showing that type of stuff, showing the behind the scenes of all those types of things. It helps. Um, you don't have to be, you have to put all of your business out there on, on, you know, to the world, but it's nothing wrong um, with showing that you are a real person and pampering the, the part of your, it's not bragging. 
That's that. That's probably the bigger point. It's not bragging. Okay, you showing who you are, the things that you do from behind the scenes makes all the difference in the world. And it, it, it will, if it does not create new business, it will it will seal the deal for a lot of the clients that are following because many of them will follow you on Facebook before they ever um, hire you. Um, and, and, and by the time they hire you, um, if they've seen those things, it just creates that glue uh, and that connection that, that, that far surpasses the comparison of whose work is better, um, who has a faster turnaround time versus in, 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 in those types of things. You know, Lauren, we're going to wrap this thing up, um, but we're going to talk about the last, my last couple questions, one being continue education, okay? You have raw talent, okay? Um, but we all know that raw talent is only going to get you but so far, okay? And being able to get into the boutique slash Lex market, if that's your goal, um, your, 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 your craft has to become more refined and you have to polish it and that type of thing. What are some of the things that you did either early on or you still continue to do um, from a continued education standpoint uh, to keep you going and growing and, you know, those types of things? Great, 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 great topic. Um so for me and I'm a I'm I'm a creative and I okay. make things. So it is when it, when it comes to my um what I do, although I don't really get um do continuing education as far as what I'm making because I do like to make from the mind in sure. a sense. Okay. The business aspect, I stay in create or in um continuing education. I go to workshop, I do classes, I I'm at the SBDC at least once a month. It's so important because I think that sometimes we get content or get comfortable sure. with um, what we're doing as being fine, or we have this mindset to scale out when we really need to scale up before we scale out. Come on, and come on, Lauren. <laughs> so I, I do believe in that. Um, going up before going out okay. and, you know imagine when we have young children if any of you have young children before a growth spurt they usually plump up a little bit they do like so they, 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 they get fat up, yeah they and then they shoot straight up yeah right so it's 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 a process and it's and that just goes to show you that's natural that's nature we should scale in one direction before we scale so you know before we scale in another direction so um, trying to do them I, simultaneously is probably not a good idea, especially if you don't have a team. Absolutely. So I think that that continuing education is going to be a key factor. And then when you are a photographer or somebody who uses a tool, so I'm thinking like a camera or, um, when you're a florist, there's constantly new things being, um, like invented or made or put on the market, however you, you guys word it. And to learn to, you guys have to keep up. I was recently at a conference in Cleveland. I was at a workshop that absolutely blew my mind with the technology that they were using. I'm in events. I'm in hundreds of events, at least like a hundred-ish, well, several hundreds per month. Let's just say that way. Okay. So per month, I'm in several hundreds of events. I learned about things I've never even heard of in my life. And I do like some high-end stuff. I do some corporate stuff. And I still learned about technology that I that I was completely mind blown about some of the technology that they're using in events mm -hmm. and other areas, even though I'm an international and worldwide vendor. So that's just how important it is. I would not have learned that here where I am 
I think that here where I am, we might even be 10 years out. I haven't even seen that stuff being used in Atlanta, which is typically ahead of the curve. Right. I haven't seen any of the, some of that stuff being used at events. So the reason, like, if you just stay where you are and you stay content, you're going to miss out on what's new and exciting and what you need to know to grow before everyone else. Like, if you just sit and wait, you're going to learn when, when your own industry community learns. Get out there, get educated, and bring it back. So let me ask this question. What in, so I'll ask this question first. Top three educational platforms of all the places that you found your work, all the all of the conferences that you that you you've put your your work has even been featured in. Um, if I am brand new, well, let's say under five years in business, what would be, in your opinion, and you've actually you let off by saying the SB, um, the Small Business Development Center, in your local community, um, what would you say to your top three places that an entrepreneur or a a wedding vendor um, should attend or, or invest their money into um, to help grow them and grow their businesses? That's a great question. And I see it all over Facebook with awful advice all the time. <laughs> you said well, awful um, advice. <laughs> awful advice all the time. That's real. That's real. That's 100. Because a lot of times people advertise their friends' conferences or events, and that might not be for them. And I love the support. But I, I, it does kind of like uh, inside of me. That was like a sound effect, by the way. Okay. Um, when I see someone advertising a workshop, that's a great workshop. It's not an awful workshop. It's awful for that person where they are right now. Got it. Um, you have to know exactly but, where you are in business before you make decision to, to, to that, attend some of these conferences. Be, right. So that's number one. So for me, as you said, the SBDC is going to be the number one when it comes to your business overall. Okay. But there's not going to be a wedding industry professional person in there nine times out of ten to really help you with that. So while I do think that's one of the most important things you're going to do, as well as a score counselor, okay. which is also free, that's business. When it comes to your to the event industry, um, and I don't know all of the different conferences, but I think your number one on the top of everyone's list should be – Industry and then industry. I call it industry then industry related. So for you, for instance, it would be wedding industry and then photography. Got it. Or at least photography. I think you have to be on top of your craft. And I think knowing your craft and being on top of your craft is more important than being on top of the wedding industry. Got it. Get your craft nailed and then nail the wedding industry. Um, so that's going to be, to me... Um, off rip your number one. I think your number two choice should be a um, a conference if you need um, like one that would be industry, like an industry conference, a wedding industry conference that's general, but also serves general. So some of them only serve like wedding planners, let's say, Got it. or some say general. But if you look at the lineup, you know good and well it's pretty much wedding professionals. Right. Now, I will I do think it's very important for vendors to go there to some of them for networking purposes. Mm -hmm. But finding a really good general one um, so you understand the ins and outs. And the ones that really break down the brides or the ideal clients, if you're still in that part of the – of, of, of your, your growth, business, right. I think that's going to be really important. And do one that – 
um, ignore your friends. Don't care where your friends are going because your friends might all be going to one in particular and they're like, oh, we're all going here. It's going to be great. You need to come and join us. You get absolutely nothing out of it. Yeah, you might spend $2,000 and it wasn't the conference for you. Not to mention travel and hotel. Let me ask this. What what would you say your number one or two top conferences that have impacted your business early on? What was the one that you said, wow, this is, I needed this, or I had no idea? So the one in particular that was a game changer, I had a few that were game changers um, for me. One I can definitely say was a game changer um, was... It was an Inspire Smart Success conference. Inspire yeah. Smart Success? Inspire, Inspire Smart Success, ISSE. Um, it was in Savannah, okay. and it was a small one. She, they, they used to have big yearly conferences, but there were small workshops. And at this small workshop, it was a total game changer for me. Um, I was still kind of in that phase where I'm struggling, like, eh, really don't want to be like a business business. I don't really have a choice. If I'm going to do this, I need to rip the Band-Aid and just make it happen kind of thing. And so much happened at that one. I think it was only a one-day conference at that. I think it was one whole day. So much happened in that one day. And it wasn't necessarily what I learned from the speakers. It it was things that happened there that I was like, I think I'm ready. I wasn't ready yet. Right. But at least you made the big decision there to where I, I, I'm like, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and do this. So there was a lot, a lot more steps. But um, so it was a very small one. It was intimate. Um, a lot of time for reflection and one on one. And as one of the first conferences I've been to, I think going to such a small conference was a great idea. Okay. Um, so I wasn't overwhelmed with too much information because then you have so much and then you kind of stay stagnant. Like you don't know how to apply things. So I think that was really, uh, that was a big one for me. What inspires you today? Hope. Um, I believe in hope. I think it's one of the greatest things that we have and we lose sometimes. And I think hope makes hope makes things happen. Hope gives purpose. Hope um, makes passion become a reality. It makes people nice to each other. It, it creates love. Yeah. There's hope is hope is everything, and I, I I believe in it. I lose it sometimes, but I uh, that's it's everything. If you could give. Lauren, this is the absolute last question. If you could give Lauren, who, when she first started out on Etsy, if you could give her a piece of advice, knowing what you know now, working with all the top clients, being published all over the world, what piece of advice would you give her, knowing what you know now, that could help her overcome? Two things without even any, any doubt. Two things right off the top of my head. Number one. Take your feelings out of business and make your business your business. Even though this is my art, my passion, my everything, when it comes to business, I should, I need to still get better at making it a business and take my feelings out. And number two, hire before you need. Hire, hire, people, you. hire people before you need them and hire them before you can afford them. Talk to them. We talked about that earlier. <laughs> I struggle with that on a regular basis. I'm actually in the process right now. Um, I wait until I need five people like to, to help catch up 
from what I'm, I'm doing. I So those two things right off the bat, I think when it comes to what would have made my business even better, my business would be at least more than double where it is right now in in a year or less time if I do those two things. If you to put those, put, put those two things in place. Mm-hmm. At wow. any point in time, I, I truly believe my business will double the minute I do those things correctly. Wow. How can people find you? Um, when you go to, to sleep at night and you uh-huh. dream of the magical thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> I'm on social media and pretty much everything is at 1023designs and it's ten two three designs Or my website is www.1023designs.com. And again, it is T-E-N spelled out, the 23. Think of October 23rd kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm there and um, come by, say hi. I like nice people and warm hugs. Okay. Like hola. Right. So yeah, <laughs> I would if, love if to. Pe- if people have questions, is it okay for them to reach out to you via email or you know via social media? Um, whether it's dealing with business, whether it's dealing with creative, um, you know, being more creative, or if they just want to hire you for something, um, what's the best way for them to contact you? So when it comes to business, I do prefer email. Um, besides the written records of everything. So I don't typically take phone calls and it's not that I don't want to talk to you, but I'm definitely, I like written records of every single communication whatsoever. So for order purposes, please use my email and info at 1023designs.com. If you just want to, um, ask random questions, general questions, say hi, chit chat, any social media feed, I might be slow to respond to it because I am working and I have paint days where I'm outside painting all day or in the workshop all day. But um, I am going to get back to you and I mean nothing by the delay because I love you guys all. So, you know, yes. Gravy, 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 gravy. Well, Safarians, this is another. This is a wrap up to another amazing interview with Miss Lauren Atwater from Ten Twenty Three Designs, and I am so super excited to have her on the show. Thank you again, and um, this podcast will be up um, and running here before the end of the month, and uh, we're just super excited. You know, feel free to share um, with your friends on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Snapchat, um, and you can even send it through Pigeon if you choose to. Um, we're excited one way or the other. And so uh, it is my hopeful anticipation that this helped you to grow uh, your business, grow your mind. Um, <clears throat> and we would love to get your feedback. You know what I mean? Feel free to uh, drop us a comment. Um, you can find us directly on WeddingSafariPodcast.com. That site is live right now as we speak. Um, so feel free to drop her a comment if something spoke to your spirit or spoke to you as a um, as a creative. Um, and give us some give us some feedback um, if you absolutely loved it if you if you hated it doesn't matter and most importantly share it um, <laughs> with your with your community this is Milton Lawrence and I'm signing off and uh, you guys have a blessed blessed day Go thanks for listening to this episode of the Wedding Safari Podcast Safarians we would love to shout you out on the next episode all you have to do is leave us a review inside of the iTunes platform and we will be sure to shout you out on the next episode. Be sure to leave your full name, city, and state in your profession. Lastly, if you have any how-to questions about business, the wedding industry, branding, marketing, or systems, simply leave your question in the comments below and we'll be sure to answer your question again on the next episode. Thanks again for listening. My name is Milton Lawrence. Stay blessed. Stay blessed.